buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. All right, what is happening, sales hustlers? Welcome to another episode of Sales Hustle. Uh, I've got Tito Bort with us today. He is the CEO of Alti Sales, and we are going to talk about building an outbound playbook. And I have a good feeling that we're going to have a lot of fun. Tito, welcome to Sales Hustle. How are you doing? Thanks, man. Doing great. I'm excited. Just so to tell people the short version, how you got into sales and how you got so passionate about, you know, working, training and, you know, teaching people outbound. Yeah. So I was lucky enough to drop out of college to start Alti Sales eight years ago. And uh, it was a very interesting concept back in the day. We had this idea that people in the U.S. Uh, right out of college, BDRs, SDRs that are starting their careers. There's two things they want. They want a career. And they want to travel and have fun and enjoy their 20s. So we mm-hmm. set up a team in La Paz, Bolivia. And we hired a bunch of recent college grads. And we ship them out for six months to do an SDR, BDR boot camp out of La Paz, Bolivia. And then we did the second boot camp in Costa Rica and the third one in, uh, in Mexico. And it was a ton of fun. Um, so I was running those teams. And nowadays, I run a company that's very interesting. We're a fully remote company. Even pre-pandemic, we're a fully remote company since uh, 2016. And uh, we have employees in eight countries, all everybody remote. It used to be co-working space. Now everybody working from home, obviously. Uh, but we have been specializing in outbound for many, many years. And we love the motion. And we think it is the most profitable and most amazing way to grow a business. But it's also pretty hard to learn at the beginning. Once you crack the code, you unleash millions of dollars in revenue. But cracking the code in the early days is is a real hard part. Mm, All right. So much good stuff to peel back on there. Um, So let's talk about cracking the code on outbound because that's something that's different for everybody, right? So what does that process look like of Let's say somebody who's just getting started on an outbound team, or if it's a leader that has either not really invested much time and energy into outbound and wants to start to create an outbound strategy. Um, let's start there. And then we can also talk a little bit about maybe somebody who's really has outbound and just missing the bark, mark and has not cracked the code yet. Yeah. Uh, and I think the, the, the story is similar here because what I like to do is I like to start with the end in mind. And the end is always revenue, right? We all want revenue. The reason to build 
BDRs, SDRs, a marketing motion and a sales motion. It's all a go-to-market strategy in that has revenue in mind. So what I try to do is kind of like start taking steps back from revenue. So mm. what happens before you actually get the money? Well, you sign a contract. Well, before you sign a contract, what needs to happen? Well, you're working on paperwork. Well, before somebody even decides to work on paperwork, you only work on paperwork with one company. So the step before that is they got to choose you against the other three to six competitors that they might be evaluating or two to 10 competitors, if you're going to call it uh, a bigger range, right? And then before they pick you, they got to realize they have a problem. Mm-hmm. Now, when you think about it, the inbound leads, they all have realized that they have some sort of problem. Anybody who's sending a demo request is telling you, hey, I have something that I need to fix. I believe that what you do fixes what I'm trying to fix. Let's chat so we can either align ourselves. And if we're aligned, it creates an opportunity. Or we decide that we're not aligned on my problem, your solution don't match with one another. And then this is just a dead lead. Now, on outbound, it's a little bit different. Because on outbound, they haven't decided they got to solve a problem. And I actually split the world in three buckets. I don't call it inbound outbound. I call it inbound, warm outbound, cold outbound. And the way I think in my head is inbound is anybody who's who's expecting an immediate response from you. A demo request, a contact us form, uh, somebody that is on your chat functionality, things like that. Then the warm outbounds are all the webinar attendees, trade show leads, anybody who has brand familiarity, but they're not raising their hand. And then the cold outbound are the ones that have never heard of your company and you get a cold call and try to get into a meeting, right? So if we continue taking steps back from having a problem before you have a uh, before you come inbound to ha- having a problem somebody can reach out to you through a warm outbound you attend a webinar somebody calls you like hey i am with xyz company we love to chat about x yep. you you get some success there and at least people have a good notion of what they're going to try to uh what they're going to be talking about and how are those of- calls how are those calls handled differently on warm outbound than cold outbound uh how much of a difference are they? Because, uh, yeah, if they attend a webinar, maybe they fill out a form, they're on the email list, they've been nurtured, maybe they know the company to some extent, maybe. Um, but how differently do you think those outbound should be treated than ones that have never heard from you, don't know who you are, haven't attended any events, haven't gotten any emails, uh, or maybe have gotten emails, but they got caught in spam, they didn't read them, they never replied? Yeah, I think the motion is different, right? So if we start with the inbound guys, it, it, that's easy to understand how they're different because they're requesting a form. It's almost like admin work. You're just trying to schedule the meeting, just verify it's a, a good company and a good target account and just schedule it. On the warm outbound, on the cold outbound, it's I like to treat them very similarly. I try to not distinguish them too much. I think it's a real bad practice to call yeah. you and say, hey, Colin, you actually attended a webinar. I want to invite you to a demo. Yeah, they make a lot of assumptions. They made a lot of assumptions just because they're on a list or filled out a form or whatever the case is. And that kind of takes me to another point because I know we're we're kind of talking about outbound, but we've we've talked about inbound a little bit too. And there's a lot of assumptions that can be made on inbound as well, where they skip steps because they're like, hey, they have a problem. They're interested. Let's go straight to demo. And that's not... That's a huge mistake. It's not. That's a huge mistake. It's where you end up with a bunch of inaccurate fluff in your pipeline. That's right. So on the inbound, what you actually got to do is you got to ask questions about their perceived problem. Hey, what do you 
why did you come inbound? How did you find us? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? Where are you today? What is failing? What is what is the pain or opportunity? Right? Why is that a important? Of, what is the priority? What's the impact if you don't solve that? Correct. Really What's the KPI deep? you're going to move and how big of an impact does that make in the business? Right. All great assumptions. On outbound, they, they aren't looking for anything. You're calling them. So the difference in outbound is you got to educate them. And you better educate them with a lot of customer stories, right, uh, in, in a meaningful way. So if your biggest customer is AT&T, you can go outbound to Verizon and say, hey, guys, I work with, we work with a marketing department at AT&T. And what I want to do today is just share some insights about how they're running their online marketing. They design their ads these in these particular ways because they know their market is this, 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 and this. And they do X in this, 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 and this other way because they're trying to accomplish Y, Z, and blah, blah, blah. And by looking at your ads, I see that there's room for improvement for you guys. How are you guys designing your ads? And now they're like, holy shit, that's incredible, insightful information about my competitor. I am now yeah. learning something from this sales trip. I would pay for this information because you're providing me – insights that I can't get anywhere else about my com competitor's strategy or competitor's workflows. And it doesn't need to be, maybe marketing is a, is a bad area because it's it's really competitive. But if you're talking about how they manage their like retail stores, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily a competitive advantage in the market where if you work with AT&T, AT&T might be pissed if you work with Verizon and, and you both, ha you handle the marketing for both. But if you manage like uh, employee communication, right? Hey, here's how AT&T, communicates with their frontline employees at the retail stores. And you sell the same thing to Verizon. AT&T doesn't care. It's not a competitive product. But if yeah, you now show let's, them the let's, insights, let's, they, let's they love it. Let's pick that apart a little bit, right? Because there's some strategy that's going into that. Like you're you're talking about, you know, really taking a good look at your 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 customers, right? And your best customers and then approaching similar companies based on that to sound much more educated on the outbound, right? Because you're going to pique people's interests. Like if they're competitors, you know, they want to know what they're doing or they want to outdo what they're doing. Um, but is that, does that require some macro research does, or is that really just making some assumptions, uh, you know, or, or being a little bit misleading about in your outreach? No, I'd say it's, it's usually easy. So like as an, I'll throw the SDR motion, right? As an SDR, you should know who your top, 20 clients are like top of mind right so like if you work with starbucks you should know that so that when you call dunkin donuts that's who you name drop right don't don't name drop microsoft to dunkin donuts right you gotta be smart about who you name drop and also it's obviously a good idea that if starbucks is a huge client chances are that Dunkin' Donuts and McDonald's are likely going to be good clients for whatever you do. They run a similar business model in a very similar industry with similar transaction costs with, you know, similar everything else. So usually those are, those are good ideas. So I think what's, you could what's call the, what's the pros and cons of, of specific name dropping companies versus being not as specific about company, but specific about industry and industry lingo and language. I don't think it makes a ginormous difference. I think it's like there's so many other things that matter so much more that I don't want to get too deep into that topic. I mean, I think it's up to the SDR's preference. Like, is one going to convert 
7x more than the other? No. But here's what I'll tell you. Like, it's not only important that the STR name drop the right account and they come and accept a meeting. But when they accept a meeting, the AE has to deliver on the promise. You can't call Dunkin' Donuts, get them into a meeting, and then they're like, yeah, I'm getting into a meeting because you're going to share me some insights about how, uh, you know, Starbucks does employee communication. Right. So um, how how big of a problem is that on the front lines with the SDR, BDR is kind of promising more of an educational type of conversation. And then the prospects ends, ends up in more of a sales pitch conversation. Well, I think you're, I think that's the biggest part. I think that companies that figure out the outbound motion is because they know how to, how to make sure that their AEs know that the inbound and the outbound motion is different. They're well-trained on it. So an inbound lead will be handled with what are you trying to accomplish? What are the pain points that you have? What is the opportunity? What is the KPIs? What is the impact? What are you trying to move, right? And then how do I align myself to your goals? An outbound is the opposite. I'm trying to educate you on how the way that you're working today isn't working. If you continue with the status quo, your competition is going to eat your lunch. And what I want to mm. show you is how they're already eating your lunch. If I can show you that at Verizon, you're losing market in certain areas because um, when AT&T rolls out a new plan, the communication from HQ to the retail stores is in minutes rather than in days. And I know that for Verizon, it's in days because you don't have the same communication platform or like app or whatever. Then like I can show you that and I can be like, you guys both reach uh, like put together a new plan and the other guys like got it going so much faster. And then they earned 2% extra market share in the Miami for Lauderdale area. And that might mean $3 million in revenue extra for this year or whatever. That's huge. No, it, it is. And how, how often do you see people missing the mark of going that deep? Often, right? Like, I think that if you look at the companies that have IPO'd, if you look at how Okta and Salesforce and like Palo Alto Networks do outbound sales development and outbound presentations, they have a very clear divide into how do you handle an inbound, how do you handle an outbound. But if you look at how like startups that are in Series A are managing inbound versus outbound, a lot of times it's the same spray and pray. It's mm. the same thing. They're just, hey, thanks for taking the meeting. Uh, we are blah, 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 blah. And here's what I want to show you. And here's my product. And you can click here and do X. And they look like a product training rather than an insightful, right, right. you know. And then the prospects just scratching their head. I told the BDR that we don't care about that feature, right? But that doesn't apply to us. We don't care about that. We don't need that. I was here because I was still hoping to learn something. That's right. That's right. So w one thing that I think is uh, quite important to distinguish is on the outbound motion, the first thing you want to sell them is not on your product, but mm -hmm. on your category. So if you are, let's say, sales loft or outreach, your first meeting shouldn't be about like, here's why sales loft is better than outreach. If you're going outbound and they're right now, they don't have a sales engagement tool. They're like, what the hell is sales engagement? You just go and say, hey, let me tell you why companies do sales engagement. Companies have realized that they get a lot of inbound leads and they even have cold outbound leads and they, they want to work them but they want to build a process that maximizes the chances of a response. So they've decided to now build a sequence of steps that each lead should go through in order to be worked properly. Due to that, there's a new category called sales engagement, 
which allows you to create a series of steps across phone calls, emails, voicemails, and LinkedIn. Has it ever happened to you that you get 100 leads and some of them get five calls and some get, get zero calls? And I guarantee you that marketing people who don't have a sales engagement tool will be like, yup, we've had that happen. The, the sales team never follows up on the leads. You're like, great. Mm -hmm. How are you going to hold them accountable? They're like, oh, we got to check manually. We're like, oh, imagine if you had a tool where you could just drop them in and you ensure that every lead is worked. And you know exactly what call disposition they had. It's all synced with CRM. You can get the most value from your inbound leads. They'll be like, that's amazing. I need that. I like the concept. And they're like, okay, great. Would you like to, in the next call, since you're liking this, I can show you how another company similar to you is utilizing the technology to build a few sequences that maximize response rates. So, okay. So that's interesting. So you're saying selling them on your category, selling them on not just your product, not you specifically, but the idea of using the category of what you do. Now, what about if they already have something in place? Like, yeah, we've heard of sales engagement. We have sales engagement and we're pretty happy with it. Then where do you go? Right. Right. So usually, uh, that's what I would call a warm outbound. Right. Mm. A cold outbound has no idea about your category. You got to inform me on category. A warm outbound now has category recognition. They might be using a competitor. But if they took a meeting, you just want to ask them why. Hey, so you're using SalesLoft. I'm with Outreach. I know we reached out to you. But what piqued your interest on taking this call? They are not going to take a meeting if on a scale from 1 to 10, they're 10 out of 10 happy with SalesLoft. They're just going to come and say, well, but shouldn't, the thing. So, so you're talking about the conversation with the AE once they're on the call. Correct. But shouldn't that have already been uncovered by the BDR prior to the AE hopping on the phone? Yeah, likely so. Because Correct. A, the BDR, the SDR could do a great job, right? To get the meeting, right. to get them to say yes, but that's only half the battle. Like getting them to the meeting to say yes, that's part of it. Getting them to actually show up, care enough to actually show up to the meeting, that's another part. But also the handoff is just crucial and important. Documenting everything that was talked about, validating, you know, not a lot, a lot of places, a lot of times where I see people make mistakes is they make a lot of assumptions based on what the prospect said. Prospect said this, so that means that. And then they document that. And that's not necessarily what the prospect mean or wasn't really deeply validated before the handoff. Yeah, if you can have call recording technology on every call, you should have it. I recommend it, uh, right? Make sure it's legally compliant, that you're only recording the states where you can record whatever else. But if you can pass over the call recording directly to the AE, that's best. If there's any email communication, pass that over to the AE, that's best. Uh, so yeah, and then the AE, again, if they have a competitive product, just ask him, what, what prompted you to take a call? I mean, I can tell you why outreach is so much better than SalesLoft. Uh, and there are specific areas where I can pinpoint and say, here, 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 and here, we're better. And here's why that matters. But I want to hear from you. Like, where is Salesforce falling short? Maybe it's super simple. Maybe they're like, yeah, their customer support sucks. I fucking hate it. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Okay. Awesome. It, sometimes right. it's, sometimes it's even, yeah, simple things like that. So, but, but I think the key point to all the sales hustlers tuning in and listening to this is like making it about your prospect, right? Making them asking good questions so that they explain the problem. Don't lead them in the way that you want them to go based on some assumptions, because it's really important that they tell you what the problem is. And then you frame the conversation 
around that. Everything that you say after that, everything that you do after that in the sales process is framed about the things that they said that are struggle. If it's something as simple as like their support sucks, their billing is confusing, like whatever the case is, it might be something really small and petty like that. And you're framing your conversation around moving the sale forward based on what they told you. Yeah. Give me, give me for like the sake of some of my uh, friends and listeners that might be coming in here. What are some assumptions that you think are often made that are incorrectly made? In in discovery or in the handoff or by the AE or the BDR? Anywhere, I heard you mention like, don't make assumptions, don't make assumptions, don't make assumptions. Yeah. Like, give me yeah. some examples. What are assumptions yeah. that you hear that you hate? There, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of assumptions are made based on what they think, you know, people care about, right? Like if a, if a BDR or AE is like, oh, this is our newest feature. Everybody's going to care about it. Everybody's want, wanted this. And the prospect that you are talking about may not even need that, that feature, may not even care about that oh, feature. That's, right. that's one example, right? So yeah. not, and, and, and it even goes deeper than that. So if a prospect makes a point of saying like, oh, we won't use, you know, maybe they're in a particular industry where it's like, we will not use call recording. We just won't. We don't want it. We want to make sure nothing's recorded. Like who knows? Maybe they're lawyers. Maybe they're legal. Maybe that's you know medical. Whatever the case is, they don't want to use call recording because they feel for whatever reason they don't want to do that. Right. So not talking about call recording in your demo. Not talking about you know call recording, but also not just not talking right. about it, but also going back and saying, hey, I know I'm not going to show you this piece because you mentioned it's not relevant to you. So making a point right. to show that you actually paid attention, you took notes, and you're intentionally customizing the conversation, the you know framework, and the demo around what they you know showing them what they what matters, skipping past things that don't, and acknowledging that. So I think that's a common you know thing is like, oh, we're now integrated with HubSpot. And it's like they use Salesforce and you didn't listen to the call recording and you didn't show up prepared. So they're not going to make it into your pipeline because you look like a jackass. That's right. I love that. I, I call that actively listening, right? Which is listen and repeat back what you learned, right? Hey, before I move forward, you mentioned XYZ, one, two, three. So I got notes here. You guys have 22 SDRs and you're on Salesforce and you currently use Salesoft and you're not recording the calls and you think support kind of sucks. Uh, anything else I'm missing for Salesoft? Anything about analytics, perhaps, that you like to, to think about or, or you think is better or worse? And they're like, no, no, we're happy. You're like, okay, so let me cover some of these points first that you're interested in. And then if we have extra time, do I have your permission to spend another five to 10 minutes to show you maybe a couple of other reasons why other customers prefer outreach over Salesoft? Yeah. I'd be like, yeah. oh, yeah. I'm, I'm curious about that. After you finish all my things and I'm all ears and I'm already interested and excited, I welcome the opportunity for you to go above and beyond. Just don't do it before then and don't do it spray and pray. Yeah. Listen in, repeat back, go through my items, make me happy. And again, that's an, that's obviously a little bit more of an inbound competitive presentation, right? I think the key to unlocking unlimited revenue, here, here's, what, here's how I see the market. There was, a, there was a study, I think it was by Sixth Sense, that said that about 1% one, 1 of your uh, like target accounts have recently bought from a competitor, right? They, they just implemented something in the past two, three, five months. And they're not even open to looking at anything. doesn't matter how good you are at prospecting, you'll never get them. Mm -hmm. There's about another 1% that is somewhere in their buying process. Where like, even if you're kind of crappy at sales development, you'll get those. Very luckily, right? You just reach out. They're like, oh, yeah, we're talking to Salesforce. I'll talk to you guys, right? I'll yeah. reach. I was going to come inbound in like two weeks, 
right? And some some intent data vendors can help you with that and whatever else. But then there's like 60%, and this depends on the category, that knows kind of what you do, but doesn't really understand you know, exactly the problem that you solve or why they need you ASAP. And then there's another like 38% that like have no fucking idea what this is. Yeah, and the there's... key to yeah, the yeah, key yeah. to so, unlocking so... revenue is converting yeah. that 98% into money. It's not grabbing the 1% that's coming inbound. Sure, you should be good at closing those. Come on, they're talking to sales of an outreach. Like you got a 50-50 chance. Fine, there might be another three competitors there that steal 10% of the deals, but it's it's 90% between those two. So you should win. But if you can win the cold ones, that's where the money's at. And and here's the here's the common, I think, mistake where a lot of people fall short on this, right? Is when when they get a no, they give up too easy. There's two different types of no, right? There's no without a good reason, and then there's no with a good reason. If they say, hey, sorry, I just signed a five-year contract with your competitor, that's no with a good reason, right? Correct. But if they say, hey, no, I'm not interested, and they can't give you a good reason, you're not, you're not giving up on those. Right. Those are the ones that that's where you're going to unlock that revenue. That's Those are the ones that you got to keep pushing, you know, not... Maybe not too aggressive. Maybe, you know, give it a little bit of breathing room, but don't give yes. up. Don't give up on those. People take no and just think, oh, okay, they said no, or they were too difficult, or they were in a bad mood, or they hung up in my face, whatever the reasons are. And then they, and, and then even worse is they write some sort of negative note in the CRM. So then every time they see it, they're like, oh, I don't want to call this guy again. Um, right. you know, so not leaving negative notes is, is extremely important and, and, and documenting if it was no with no good reason so that you continue to follow up. Right. And if you're a mid market enterprise, probably you have several buyer personas, right. That are, um, that are, that can buy the solution. It's not just one. And in that case, you should continue to call the rest of the account. I would definitely give a prospect some breathing room. If they're like, I'm not interested. Okay. Uh, if it is a dream account, one of those that you're working with AT&T and this is Verizon, they just said, I'm not interested. I'd give them a month. If they are some random account, they're Charter Communications and you have AT&T. Well, there's another hundred companies just like Charter Communications that are like fairly big, but not the biggest. Mm -hmm. Give them two, three months, right? And if there are some small accounts, just eh, take them off your list for now. Just supplement with others that might be slightly more interested. So be, be strategic about your approach and understand that like, uh, for outbound, I say go hunt for the money. Like, what do you rather get? One one million dollar opportunity, or a hundred opportunities worth ten thousand dollars each? Like, it's an AE. Oh my god, fucking give me the one one million dollar opti. Like, I much rather work that. Work sending a hundred follow ups email for a hundred demos and doing a hundred follow ups and trying to like get a hundred stakeholders that are friend, you know, in the buyer committee. It's a pain. I'd rather work fewer, bigger opties, right? And and you want to balance, obviously, but uh, yeah. But but the hardest ones to get are the big ones. It's not the small ones. They take thinking a little bit deeper, being a little bit more creative, reaching out outbound in different ways, right? Um, but there's definitely an argument to be made about spending more time on less people, but then having a good, healthy balance as well. That's right. That's right. Agree with that 100%.
Yeah. Well, Tito, thank you so much for coming on today. Appreciate it. Um, before I let you go, just tell folks where they can find out more about what you're doing and Alti Sales and anything that you have that you want us to include in the show notes for them. Yeah, I think the easiest way to find me is just go on LinkedIn um, and find Tito Ports. And I read a lot of things about sales, sales development, inbound, outbound, how to approach it, how to think through it. Uh, we've you know, done a lot of cool things. We work with huge organizations like IBM and we help them build their outbound motion and, and do it. We're hunting for whales there, $20 million uh, deals and so on. And we also work with a lot of like early stage startups that just got seed funding or, or A funding and, and they're trying to grow and everywhere in between. So anybody who's trying to build a inbound outbound motion um, or for all those SDRs that are trying for trying to get better tips or better ideas, uh, LinkedIn is a place to go. Find me there. And uh, yeah, let's, let's connect. Awesome. We'll include that in the show notes for everybody. If you're tuning in, thanks for listening. Go ahead and share the podcast with your friends, write us a review, and we're listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out. And if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.